Welcome to Concerning Therapists, Mental Health Through the Looking Glass, a podcast largely concerned with psychotherapists from which a listener may discover much of their character, journey, and a little of their history. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the speaker and do not reflect those of any employer, affiliation, group, or other individual. Additionally, this podcast is not mental health treatment, nor should it replace mental health treatment. If you need psychotherapy, please seek treatment from a trained professional. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Concerning Therapists Book Club. We are meeting up today to talk about part one in the introduction of Attached. We are. So I thought um, what might be interesting is each time we meet, so I've prepared one of these, is to have a quote that um, either is really relevant um, for everything that's discussed or that is just really um, something we thought was worth chewing over something. So not not a right or wrong. It may not be the whole sort of story, but it gets us started. So today I picked, and I think this is more a summary than uh, something that's really groundbreaking, but to give you an idea of this first part of the book. And it's on page 23, and it states, three statements corresponded to the three attachment styles and read as follows. I find it relatively easy to get close to others and am comfortable depending on them and having them depend on me. I don't often worry about being abandoned or about someone getting too close to me, which is a measure of the attachment style of secure. I am somewhat uncomfortable being close to others. I find it difficult to trust them completely, difficult to allow myself to depend on them. I am nervous when anybody gets too close and often love partners want to be more intimate than I feel comfortable being, a measure of the avoidant attachment style. And thirdly, I find that others are reluctant to get as close as I would like. I often worry that my partner doesn't really love me or won't want to stay with me. I want to merge completely with another person, and this desire sometimes scares people away, a measure of the anxious attachment style. So that's a quote, just to give you an idea. The first couple of chapters were really examples and an introduction to attachment. Yeah, they kind of gave like what the attachment styles are. They gave some anecdotal evidence. They talked about how, you know, scientifically a lot of this was rooted in childhood attachment research that they found um, and kind of extrapolated into wow, this must um, maybe be applicable as with adults as well because your attachment figures when you're young are your parents. And then when you get right. older, your attachment, the people you attach to are typically your partners. Um, and so it was interesting kind of just talking about they were able to identify like there's multiple factors of where this comes from. Like, yes, there is a connection to what your own childhood and your attachment style was, but also that this is influenced by just relationships that you've had throughout right. your life. It's not something that is um, remaining constant from childhood. If you're a securely attached child, that doesn't mean that you're securely attached in adult relationships. And I liked that. Um, I think this because it was originally linked to child development and things like that, there was this idea that it was stuck because you'd become an adult and therefore it was that way. But I appreciated that because we all know people have been through three breakups in a row or something that's really shaken that. And um, 
So I appreciated them pointing that out. I think that was that was really valuable. Yeah, they seem to have a good grasp of that from like a change perspective. Like mm-hmm. this is something that is changeable, even though they talk about it as these kind of concrete labels. Um, throughout the beginning, they kind of do intro that this is something that can change and you can modify and work to being more securely attached. Right, right. And I thought that was healthy too. Um, I mean, more my style of therapy really looks at how people, at least this is my personal approach, looks at how people are developing and adjusting based on the circumstances. So um, their flexibility in the situation and ability to face that. And so I could see here that this is probably along those lines that I would be able to use that because Mm -hmm. if you had to go back and change those things uh, from childhood, that sounds like a really long process of understanding and insight, but not necessarily change. Right. Uh, But with that added session, that this, that idea that this was moving forward and you were adjusting also allows that flexibility to come into the current situation and change, at least from my perspective, how I see things. So I I could appreciate that. I thought that was good. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting um, how they would talk about different connections of different things or ways that they use some colloquial things. Mm -hmm. Like they talk about codependency and, you know, codependency is something that I think is used colloquially Mm -hmm. different than it's used, um, you know, in a psychological setting. Yeah. Um, But kind of talking about, um, interdependence being something that is necessary and even some codependency is necessary in relationships and healthy. Right. Right. Um, but especially kind of giving, they gave some examples of different couples. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one of the examples that they gave was a mismatch of attachment styles and how, um, that was a big, like that was kind of where they were identifying the problem from where one person would reach out to get support from the other. And the other was like, basically stop needing me for help. (laughs) Right. Like that was interesting to see. So like I had a, I had a framework for what I was going to ask you, but since you brought that up, Mm -hmm. I have a question about that. Yeah. That was, uh, I don't remember the show, but the great or the amazing race, the amazing race Mm -hmm. show, right? Which I I didn't see this episode that they're talking about. But this example kind of it it shook me up in a way that didn't get me on side. Okay. So, how did you feel about the example that they gave? I, I thought it was kind of a weird example. Yeah. It felt like it it was hard. I mean, it was very projective in, in my, experience of reading that. And I think that was the challenge that I had with anything that they brought up that wasn't something they identified of like the first example they give in that very first chapter is a couple or a person they're friends with. Yeah, You know, the amazing race couple is something that they were very projective with. They're like, we see this and we saw this happening and had this changed, then it would have been different, which made me a little uncomfortable because you don't know that you don't know if the you know there would have been something you know change from that or or the origins of any of this right right um they were in a very different circumstance as well which they right. acknowledged in the book that right. uh one of the contestants actually said there's nothing like this so does that then skew how much of this attachment how much of it is nervous energy how much of it is cameras in your right. face like all this sort of stuff um all of that, and the the thing that got me, and maybe this is the couples therapist in it. 
there were, for those who haven't read it yet, there was an anxious attachment and an avoidant attachment individual mm-hmm. uh, on this race. And so they were working together. But I felt like they ended the story, and I'm not avoidant by any means um, in my own attachment style as best as I understand it. But I feel like at the end of the day, they said, if the avoidant person had just stopped being avoidant and given the anxious person the the care that they needed, everything would have been okay. Right. And I, I get that. Right. Like, I totally get that the anxious person needed that. Mm-hmm. I also think that the avoidant person probably needed more time on their own to right. work out their feelings. Right. And so it's not how they projected it was very anti-avoidant in my my feelings. Yeah, I agree. Well, and I think I kept thinking of things too of uh, one of the big things they kept talking about was like hand holding. Right. Like where she would want to hold hands and he would not want to hold her hand. Right. And uh, it it tapped into me the five love languages. Right. And when I'm distressed, I don't want physical contact. Sure. Physical contact like is not something that I particularly desire. It's not my it's the bottom of my love language that physical touch. Sure. So I was kind of in this place of um thinking about if I'm really if I was the really distressed person mm-hmm. and my partner reached mm-hmm. out to try to hold my hand I would would probably bat their hand away because I wouldn't like, I don't, that's not how I function. So I think it was interesting to make that connection too. Cause again, it was projective, Yes, right? We're seeing this. Therefore this person is an avoidant attachment style, but may very well could be that this person is also stressed and concerned and worried or thinking about all these different things and doesn't desire physical contact. And that's why people come to couples, right? Right. Is that, and I did appreciate that they said none of these attachment styles are, uh, are wrong. I guess that I can't remember the word they said, but it was not the normal clinical phrase. But these are just ways that people connect, and that's how it is. And that's what kind of got me by surprise. It's like, okay, well, a lot of people will talk about it anxious as, as a problematic situation that you have to become more secure and avoidant as problematic. And okay, I can take that that some people are more anxious and right. there's, there's a spectrum of anxiety around that. And it's not always unhealthy to have some anxiety, which makes sense as well, depending on your experiences, right? If something's happened in your relationship. But then to take it to this example and use this example as that kind of caught me off guard. So I'm glad I wasn't the only one. Yeah. That. Well, and I think they do a better job going further into the book. But at the same time, I think throughout these chapters, I'm with you in the fact that they were kind of poo-pooing the avoidant attachment avoidant. style in general, which I I mean, in, in reading it and understanding different things, like I can see how it isn't an ideal attachment style to remain in. Sure. If you would desire partnership it is going to actively work against you. Yes. Um, yeah, I can see that. And I can understand how that it is problematic. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the one thing, again, maybe because it's not as clinical of a book, it's not for clinicians. It It's one of those things that I thought was interesting that they said, like, it's okay, here's everybody's, you know, here are these attachment styles and all of them are okay. Right. But they they didn't get to that point of like, but they may not be congruent with what your own goals are, right? right? So like somebody who desires partnership and wants something and has an avoidant attachment style, those aren't going to be congruent right. because it's 
it's not like basically what they said. Um, and I can't remember what, what, where it got to. Um, and maybe I'm, I don't think I'm skipping ahead of anything, but it was kind of this idea of like, maybe it was at the beginning actually with Tamara and Greg. Mm-hmm. I think it was with Tamara and Greg and, and when Tamara moved on, the solution to some of this was an anxious person in a relationship with a securely attached person right? or an avoidant person in a relationship with a securely attached person. Right. And it puts a lot of that impetus of change on somebody who didn't sign up for that, Yeah, which I thought was an interesting thing as well, um, where you gave these great quotes from the book of what these are. And I think that's where it's really helpful as a self-help book. Yeah, If you can see, Oh, Hey, you know, looking at the avoidant style saying, you know, I often worry that, um, Oh, wrong one. I'm uncomfortable being close to others. Mm-hmm. Wow. Just having that awareness. I'm uncomfortable being close to others yet. I desire partnership Yes, that could identify an area that needs work. Yeah. And, and so I feel like that's part of this value of understanding these attachment styles. And also then for couples who, you know, get fast, fast forwarding a little bit into part one, they talk a little bit about identifying what your attachment style is and mm-hmm. identifying what your partner's is. And it, again, it kind of is on this weird vein of like, right. do this so that you can be better matched, yes. not do this and improve your relationship with your current partner. Right. There was a little bit of that, but it's there very was. much more oriented of like, do this assessment pre-relationship or early stages of relationship so you can know if you need to give somebody the boot. <laughs> no, it was very much like that. Um, uh, yes. And it was. It felt like, okay, if you've been having problems with relationships, maybe do this self-evaluation to see if you've been making those problems. Yes. Rather than something I think I would intuitively give to a couple. Sorry. Right. I wouldn't intuitively give it to them, but the words would suggest that maybe I would. Right. But having read this, it does sort of seem like, okay, so you're mismatched in those styles. Maybe you're just not a good match. Which I think is interesting in just in thus far reading the book. This is just a book you may not want to give a couple. Right. Right. This is a maybe a great book so far to give to an individual who desires relationships yes. and is struggling. Yes. It may be really helpful, but maybe less so with somebody who's partnered currently. Right. Especially in these early chapters, getting that message that if you aren't securely attached and if your partner isn't securely attached, maybe that's a a, a warning sign. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And again, highlighted in those examples they use at the beginning, those first couple sections in the introduction. Well, especially just feeling, uh, I don't remember their names, but feeling for that couple who mm-hmm. did go through that stressful thing. If I had them in the room, I would be thinking more along the lines of, sure, this avoidant is problematic, but it's also a way that you've learned to cope with it. And so how right. do you want to connect and how do you find the time so you take responsibility for your part of it, mm-hmm. but do the same in reverse? This right. is difficult for you. How do you want to allow your partner space to be able to be fully present? And that's so much more of a, a gray space of taking self-responsibility um, for your part of it, as well as allowing the other person to grow, which is what we do in couples all the time. And right. that didn't seem as strong. So. No. And I think the the piece that's missing, I think as well in some of these explanations, and maybe they get to it later in the book, is this idea of both the anxious and the avoidant attachment style 
come from harnessing this place of safety, right? Like, how do I feel safe? Mm-hmm. Um, and right. this idea of the anxious person, their safe thing is continuous checking behaviors, mm-hmm. right? Having that vigilance and that hypervigilance of checking in, making sure we're good, worrying about stuff, no- noticing it, just like somebody with anxiety who might might have. Right, right. And the irony of it all is then avoidant is the flip side of that same exact coin sure. is keeping somebody at arm's length, keeping that distance and that separation in that space as a way of safety, which again, mm-hmm. we also see in um, signs of people who have anxiety. Right. And so I was, it just was interesting to me to continually come into this, like the connection to mental health that just hasn't been mentioned at all right. in this book. Right, right. Right. And avoidance and both the anxious attachment and the avoidant attachment, as well as anxious avoidant attachment, I imagine is very linked to mental health as well. Somebody mm-hmm. with very high anxiety is less likely to probably be in a securely attached relationship. Right. And somebody with depression may also be less likely, just kind of using those two examples as, yeah. you know, um, common things we see in therapy. But it was an interesting thing to see them completely neglect to address. So what did you like? Well, I liked, so if we kind of boost a little further some into that part one, and it talks a little bit more specifically about, you know, analyzing what your attachment style is and analyzing maybe what your partner's is, although I'm sure I have lots of comments on that for later. (laughs) Um, I loved the fact that it just really gives people this base of, hey, me feeling X, Y, or Z in my relationship, me being worried about this or me being, you know, all this isn't unfounded. Right. Right. It really gives people that like comfort of like, oh, I do this for a reason. Right. And and that this is also kind of, I think, questions for people. What is normal and natural in a relationship or healthy in a relationship mm-hmm. um, in a way that isn't hitting you in the face with negativity? Right. It isn't going around saying, well, don't question your partner or don't do this or don't do that. That's bad to do. Sure. Um, And I think they did a really good job of presenting these in a way that is descriptive without other than the couple places we talked specifically where it seems to negatively skew avoidant. But for the most part, I think it does a pretty good job of neutrally presenting the information without a positive or negative skew. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it does give really good language. It does explain if you, if you're coming in without knowing anything, uh, I, th- I think it did a good job of explaining it so you could get a really good picture of it. And there are some, there are some clients who I would recommend this thus far that I think looking at their history of relationships and feeling confused about why it keeps going, uh, complicated i guess not wrong because they haven't been wrong but why things have got complicated and what patterns are there having a name for it and having a set strategy list of things to work towards would be really valuable for them Mm -hmm. um so in fact i have recommended to one client saying i'm only a third of the way through so i'm not i'm not vouching for this but you have heard of this term this might be able to lead you down there and we'll talk through together Um, nice but so I, I think there's places so far even now where I think it could be really valuable, mm-hmm. but I, so far it hasn't been couples, but individuals who are looking at their dating history and, and looking at going into new relationships or what they should be looking for, um, 
I could see, yeah, that's been, I think that would be very valuable. And it is clear. It's an easy read. Yep. Um, I didn't feel like I was having to push through to the next chapter, um, even though it's kind of assigned reading rather than what's on top of my list. Sure. I felt like I got through this cha- this part. So I got a quarter through really, really quickly. Right. And understood it and had a good grasp of what was going on. So it's not something that's going to take a lot of your brain power if you're a therapist, just to get on top of this and get right. through it. So I thought that was good. Yeah. When I also liked um, the diversity of which they presented the material in, Yeah, you know, they kind of give it to you logistically and then they do a good job of giving anecdotes or examples that aren't lengthy, yeah, but totally. really cut to the chase and give you a good representation, which I think was really nice when reading versus like when we do read clinical material mm-hmm. um, where the language is convoluted and explaining where the anecdotes go on you know, the, the vignette, that's the word I was trying to think of. Sure. Uh, when the vignettes go on for, you know, pages and pages and pages, right. it was a nice little break from that. I feel like it was short, straight to the point, you get it and move forward. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, DJ, what are you hoping for in the future of this book? So we've kind of covered, um, we've read up to part two. Yes. Um, what are you hoping will come out that, that, would maybe be a big factor determining if you actually like the whole book or not? Um, that's a really good question. I think I would like to see a little bit of, of the in-between brought out. Okay. Um, I would, of just, we can also be on a spectrum of these things that some days we can be a little bit anxious. Sometimes we can be avoidant. Um, or if critical life events happen in the same relationship that might change. Yeah. The other thing that I would I would like is a real differentiation between what I can work on and what I should work on in a relationship mm. and how to offer loving support to my loved one. Because I think if that was in there, it would be much easier to give to couples. But that understanding that this can get really messy yeah. and we're going to do this together. Um, or we we have to be able to be able to see that and acknowledge our own things. I think that would really change my view about sure. it for couples. What are you thinking? What are you liking? Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you on a lot of that. Um, I would be interested to see, I think for me, in regards to what I'd hope for is – like when when they explain some of these different attachment styles, you know, I would be interested to see if they make any sort of connection to like what might be going on mm. internally for that person, mm. not just how it presents, right? Because a lot of this was how it presents. It was, yeah. And, you know, it was, oh, I, I push people away or I want to keep people at arm's length or, oh, well, you know, I have this anxiety to continue to check. Mm -hmm. Am I doing okay? Does this person like me? Do we want to be together? And it didn't really get into anything underneath that presentation level Mm -hmm. where it's like, this person has this, you know, these belief systems or these different structures that underneath all of this that promote that, or, you know, does this, is this something that is noticeable Mm -hmm. do the are they aware of this when they do it or is it purely instinctual sure you know i think i would like to see them get a little bit more into the styles that way and and because i think whether it's an individual or a couple having like read some of these things and then read 
wow, there's all these things that might be going on underneath the surface. And like, these are maybe things that are what need to be addressed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in order to not present in an anxious or an avoidant or anxious avoidant attachment style. Um, And especially when it comes to anxious avoidant, because it sounds very contrary, Mm -hmm. right? It, It reminds me of in... Um, the old, old, old Dr. Doolittle, the push me, pull you, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make any sense right. to have that in one thing, but it is, sure. right? And so I think it's this interesting concept that I, I'd hope that they'd go a little under the surface and yeah. do a little bit of exploration of, you know, for somebody with this at- attachment style, these may be the beliefs that follow with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll be curious to see if that comes because I think that would be something that would change too whether or not I'd want to give it to somebody, if it goes too in depth for somebody, I may not feel like that's a safe thing for them to consume at that time. Otherwise I have people who feel like that would be something that would be a great referral source. Um, And also could be really great in partnerships to say, yes, I am the style, read this chapter. This will really help you understand me and how I work. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll be interested to see if some of that comes up. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. And that that is how often how it works, right? Is that clients reading it from a psychoeducation point of view aren't necessarily reading it like we are, right? Of trying to understand the nuance of it all, um, where we see all these complications and when we would choose and when not. But obviously, if we've recommended it to someone in particular, it's not going to work in every situation, but it's going to be that. So a client might read it psychoeducationally very differently than we are, right? So anything we haven't covered that you want to make sure we say before we wrap up? Yeah, I think we should just briefly talk a little bit about the questionnaires, um, the self-questionnaire yes. and the the partner questionnaire. <laughs> um, and I guess it's very clear I have some feelings about the partner questionnaire, so I'll dive there and kind of backtrack. Go but for it. I think it's really challenging, especially with the way they're framing yes. the usage of this as before you are – deep into a relationship, you know, I did both of the questionnaires, the self questionnaire for myself and the one for my partner. Mm -hmm. And man, I'm not sure I'd have answers about stuff if I hadn't been with my partner for a certain amount of time. Um, And it's so projective. It is, it is, it is is very what my perception of what's going on is. And that could be very skewed in some of these examples. Mm -hmm. And so I almost, um, kept having the thought like occasionally clinically I'll take things from books and use it not the way the book represents it, but in another way. And it almost felt to me like this could be a really useful tool to go through stuff together. Yes. Yeah. I would have much preferred it if they just had it for for me and not for the partner. And then if someone wanted to do it with their partner, their partner can take the same for me. Right. Assessment. And then you're not doing this projection kind of work there. So far, I much would have preferred the whole thing if it had just been focused on if this is you. Right. And not, and then the other partner, if they should have done this. Same with the race. Right. Um, Right. If they'd taken both those people and said, what was it like to be avoidant, to feel like things were getting too close? What did you need to do to be able to maintain connection with someone else in a more meaningful way while still having space to have that soothing time for yourself to be available to someone else? Right. And then worked on anxious. I think from this book, that would have made it much more um, 
effective, useful, uh, transparent, lots yeah. of things. Um, and the, I think they've tried to do too much and assumed that the attachment means, therefore, I have to do things in couples, uh, which is true. I think there's a place for that. But so far in book form, I think that's covered some uncovered some difficulties, I think. So. Yeah. I mean, they also throw in that part later where it's like, here's these vignettes. Yes. What's their attachment style? And it felt a little, like a lot of this, I think, um, just had the vibes of like doing quizzes in Cosmopolitan magazine. (laughs) It really did. Right? I'm glad you said that because I was like. (laughs) Again, that I think it's interesting. I feel like they, they keep waffling back and forth of understanding and explaining the nuances and things and then completely missing the point. I feel like there's, there's a lot of nuance in this attachment styles theory that they missed in some of this, you know, there is going to be times in your relationship where you might be more concerned about something. Mm -hmm. There may be times where you're more avoidant or in, you know, that you're, trying to get space or separation for legitimate, healthy right. reasons. Right. I mean, I think it's clear that they're trying to find very clearly what box you fit in. Right. And to give you that, it is the first part. So maybe they go into it a little bit later, and this is trying to give you the boxes really clearly, educationally give you something that you can have a handle for and then move it. Right. Um, so if you don't listen to the rest of the podcast, then don't take this as the only thing. But I can see those boxes. I think those boxes are problematic. And at the same time, something that I hadn't thought while I was reading it that we have to go back to is clients may not, uh, we maybe have to trust them not to think that it is boxy. Clients, I think, will also read what's helpful and, and discard some other things. They may read psychological documents different than we read them looking right. for them. Um, but it is very boxy. It's very much who are you. Educationally, sure, I think it's useful. Practically, I wouldn't be taking this there. But educationally, this is what this is the wait and see, right? We don't know what's coming right. next. If this was as far as it went, sure, it's a great introductory chapter in an undergraduate um, undergraduate psychology degree, maybe. Sure. Uh, but at a graduate level, it's a little too boxy for me. Yeah. And I think it also is just a really good reminder of this is partially why we want to try to read materials before giving them to clients or have discretion in who we would give materials to. I'll be interested to see what keeps coming and how we do moving forward with it. But so far it's not been terrible to read. So no, I, as much as we've probably focused a little bit more on the negative, I do think it's still worth reading. Yeah. Um, and I do think it's a useful book. I am glad they wrote it. It does have some definite positives. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a really great start. Yeah. You know, it puts words to things that maybe we have been challenging to put words to. It helps you kind of feel, um, I think, I think ever, I think I felt it. I assume you felt as well that there is connection in here. Mm-hmm. We can find those statements that we identify with those things that, yeah, this does really fit me. Yeah. Um, which I think makes it a great tool for a beginning stage of something, especially if you're looking to figure out what needs to be adjusted Absolutely. for you to be happier in your relationships. Absolutely. Um, so I think it's definitely a great starting point, but I think our big takeaway is it just isn't a complete picture at this point. And, 
I don't think either of us expect this book to be that way. No. Nor would we. Um, but it, it'll be interesting. And so far, I think we've both shared definitely feels useful in, in some referral cases for clients to read as well. Yep, totally. Um, so that that's the book for the week. Um, or the month, I should say. So next time we're going to have read up to the end of part two. Yep. So we've done part one. Part two is going to be the next one if you want to keep up to up to date with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll release that a month from now. Any final words? No, I, I think that you summed it up pretty well. Great. 